Well, I hope this day finds you safe and well, and I welcome you to another edition of the Jim Snyder Podcast. It's where I tell you my story about what's going on in my life, some of the things I've had to overcome as someone with a visual impairment or low vision, as I always say, and from time to time, we're going to bring some folks in and tell you their story. Well, today, we continue with my story. I've got some exciting news to share on a couple of different fronts. We'll have a construction update and... Of course, we'll have another really bad pun, and I'll tell you here in just a little while how you can get in touch with me and let me know what you're thinking, what's going on with you, if you have ideas and all that kind of thing for the uh, podcast, let me know about it. But in the meantime, just sit back, relax, and let's hang out for just a little bit. The Jim Snyder Podcast. Well, where, where to begin today? Because I actually, I have quite a bit of news to share as of the recording of this podcast here. I'm, I'm speaking to you from my, we can now officially say my, well, for the most part, not quite just yet, but we're getting there. My completed studio, and that really does excite me. You know what? I'm happy. Hooray. I, actually, I am very happy, and... The room itself, you might notice, there is still a little bit, as I move the microphone here, pardon me, that's that's not very good broadcasting etiquette here from from someone like myself who is, Rush Limbaugh would say, a highly trained broadcast professional. <laughs> now, the, the, the studio, it's, it's done. I have my studio furniture in, thanks to our, our incredible uh, construction guy, renovator john who has done a fantastic job in putting my studio together and we've got furniture essentially what i what he did for me was he built me two very sturdy tables they're essentially two long tables with legs we can remove them if we have to tear this thing apart and take it somewhere i mean that's not going to happen on a regular basis it will happen at some point when Sarah and I do move, if we should move again, I'll never say we won't, but I think we are probably going to one more time. That's another story for another day. But anyway, I have two basically very sturdy tables. One of them, the one that I'm sitting in front of that has all of my equipment on, is basically 75 inches long. That's, I don't know, three, four, five feet, something like that. Not, you know, I, I'm not good with math, I'll be honest. But anyway, it's 75 inches long. I measured it. 75 inches long and 25 inches deep. And what happened was we, um, actually John, I should say, came across in his search one morning to get supplies for whatever he was working on for our construction that day, ran across these pieces of countertop, essentially thick pieces of flat countertop. And he picked up three of them. And he said, you know, he said, I, I've got these three pieces. I'm not sure if you're interested, but I thought I'd grab them and see what you think. And I said, these are perfect. I like the color of them. They're a, what they call a cement gray. And he got three of these things, 75 inches long, 25 inches deep. And he said, honestly, for what I paid for them, you couldn't do better as far as having to come up with a top for a desk or a table. And essentially, that's what these things are. And then he put, 
he took the uh, a third piece, the third piece that he bought. He made two tables out of these, out of these big pieces of countertop. Took the third piece of countertop, cut it in half down the middle, and essentially I had two shelves. Well, one desk, the desk that I'm sitting at, the main control center, if you will. I don't know if you want to call it that, but this desk has the the shelf raised up. Oh, about eight eight or so inches above the actual countertop or tabletop. And that's where I keep, you know, some, you know, computer stuff and speakers and that kind of thing. So I have a little raised work area. It's it's kind of cool. Now the other one is more of looks if you look at it just from a glance, it looks just like a regular table, but I have a shelf underneath for storage. And so we just cut these in half, and that's how it's going to work out. They're basically set right next to each other in an L shape, and I'm I'm quite impressed. They're very sturdy. They're not going anywhere, and I'm 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 pleased with how it turned out. We have a little bit more work to do as far as sound deadening. We have the soundproofing material built into the walls. But what we've done is we've put some sound deadening material up on the wall in front of me, and it's in, and it doesn't sound too bad, but I'm getting a little bit of bounce back, if you can probably notice. There's just a little bit of echo, and I'm going to put some more. We've got some more of this sound deadening material we're going to wrap with some more fabric, like we did the pieces that are in on the wall in front of me, and we're going to set these pieces up on the back wall, and we may have a little bit left over, and I may put some up on a on the back of the studio door, just kind of deadening the sound a little bit. And as time goes on, I'll get some pictures hung up in here, some other things that will just kind of help deaden the sound a little bit. And we'll maybe I might even put a little runner as far as like a rug, like when you walk into the room, you walk in and there's like a little area that's kind of has a little bit of a, a carpet area to it. I don't want carpet under the floor or on the floor right under me because I'm in a rolling chair and yeah, you can get the really expensive glass, you know, what you call blotters for your desk chair. But I honestly, at this point, it's just like you might as well just have floor. And that's what we have. Uh, engineered vinyl floor. It looks kind of like wood, but it's not wood. Um, we're real, real, real happy with it. So anyway, that's that's the studio at this point. So it's it's coming together and I'm, I'm very happy with it and we'll... You know, the, the sound is going to get tweaked over time. I'll get it to where I want it, and we'll be happy with it. I definitely will be happy with it. I'm quite pleased with it right now. As for the rest of our construction, our downstairs is it's done. Uh, we had uh, John come, you know, come in this week. Actually, he's been in, in every day for the last few weeks, a couple weeks anyway. But he came in, and he finished the mantle on our fireplace, stained it, shellacked it. And we also had another fellow come in who helped us get our sound bar up and running for the TV. The shelving that John built for the back end of the of the room, the, the family room area is all in and up and working. Sarah is in her office and has her new desk. And she didn't have John build her a desk. She went through another company and bought a desk. And it's it's a very small little desk and it suits her purposes just fine. That's what she wants. That's the beauty about this thing is that you can do, you know, we did what we wanted. And she said, I don't want a big desk. And that's what she got. She's happy with it. 
That's what's important. So the downstairs is done. Now the upstairs, <laughs> my goodness, uh, you, you've heard me talk about having the ceramic tile in our home. We had ceramic tile, and I can now say had. We had ceramic tile in the upstairs part of our condominium. You walk in the front door and the the foyer area, or the foyer, if you prefer, had ceramic tile, and it went all the way back along the area where you would walk past to go downstairs to the family room into our open-concept kitchen area, and it also goes into the neighboring main floor bathroom, and it also goes into the neighboring main floor laundry room. And that's all ceramic, and it gets up to a point, then the rest is carpeted for the dining room, living room area, if you will. And we have a little bit of ceramic in our ensuite bathroom, in our master bedroom. Well, we decided we wanted to get rid of the ceramic tile because the way the subfloor is here, and I'm not a construction guy, but I'll just tell you this, the the, the subfloor in our unit and practically all the units in our complex, because they're all built about the same time over a period of a few years by the same developer, whatever. Well, one thing they didn't do, they didn't take into account the kind of subfloor they were going to put in and put the ceramic tile in. Well, the grout on the ceramic tile started to crack and peel away, and some of the tiles began to crack a little bit. And it's a problem throughout our entire complex. Everybody has had a problem with it. Well, we decided we want to get rid of the ceramic tile, and we did. And we're we're going to be putting in hardwood floors. Well, have you ever tried to rip up ceramic tile? It is an absolute mess. And the dust this stuff generated was unbelievable. My goodness. It was like you'd walk in and you swear no one had been in this room for 50 years. There was just so much dust. And even downstairs, there was a bit of dust. And we're going to have to dust. And I probably need to go through my studio here. I kept my studio door closed the last few days while we were while John was doing all this and he had one of those little jackhammer things not like the kind you see out on the construction sites out on you know on the on the main street to rip up concrete but it was an electric jackhammer so to speak and this thing was loud I am so thankful that we have neighbors who understand now we weren't obviously he wasn't doing this at 10 o'clock at night so everybody understood what was going on, but it was loud. I mean, really, you could wake the dead with this thing when it was pounding into that tile and ripping it up and tearing it up and just the mess that it made. And I felt so sorry for our kitties, for Missy and Raven. We had them sequestered in our in our master bedroom and gave them food and water and a place, you know, brought one of their litter boxes in there so they could do their business. But you could just tell they weren't too happy about this. And I can't blame them. I wasn't too happy about it. But it had to be done. Well, as of right now, as of the recording of this podcast, we are on a Friday, the last day of April. Woohoo! Yeah, can you believe May is coming up? My goodness. And if you're listening to this several years later, you're going, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but as of the recording of this podcast on Friday, uh the floors, the ceramic is 99% gone. We still have a little bit in our ensuite bathroom. That's not going to be hard for him to take out because when you take out a ceramic floor, 
when you replace a floor, you got to lift the toilet out. So we need to have a place to do our business. So rather than him just, you know, take out the floor and then it's like, okay, I'm going to lay the wood here in a few days and I'll come back and he'll, we'll put, put the floor and then put your toilet in and blah, yada, 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 get the new, you know, it's actually, it's going to be vinyl flooring in our bathroom. But anyway, yeah, he didn't want us to be without facilities while he was, you know, getting floors replaced. So he's going to do one more. Hopefully it'll take, I don't know, an hour or so, hour or two, maybe not even that, maybe an hour, rip out that floor and it's done. And then he'll put the new floor in right away. We'll have a toilet. So maybe we may have to walk down the hall <laughs> for a night or two. If, if, you know, when you get up at, you know, two in the morning when nature calls. So, well, we'll be fine, but it's coming. So the floor is all up. And now he is going to start on Monday, this coming Monday, the 3rd of May, as of the recording of this podcast, we'll start putting in the new hardwood and then the vinyl flooring and obviously get our main floor bathroom and ensuite bathroom completely up and running with, you know, the toilets back in and all that stuff. And, and then the final touch, the final piece of resistance, my terrible French accent. Yeah. Me living in Canada, not even being able to, I can't speak French. I'll be honest. I can't speak French. I can't even do a good French accent unless I'm trying to do the guy in Monty Python. Yeah. You know, the, the, you know, at the castle during uh, the um, the Holy Grail. You know, I blow my nose at you. That's about as good as I can get. Something like that. I don't know. At least at this hour of the morning. It's early in the morning when I'm doing this. So if I sound slightly more uh, resonant in my voice, you know how you sound when you first get up in the morning. It's a little bit deeper. You can get those lower notes, if you will, those lower tones. That's why. Anyway, so... The final piece of resistance, I didn't lose my place, by the way, is going to be carpeting in our bedroom, our master bedroom, and the guest bedroom. And the guys, the carpet guys are coming on, they're coming on Saturday. Week from tomorrow, they're going to come. And I have to tell you, and I, I really wish I could bottle these guys up and put them out on the road because these two guys are are absolutely hilarious. They're brothers. And they just spend the entire time just kind of poking at each other, ripping at each other, having fun, telling jokes, and they're just absolutely hilarious. They're just, they're fun, fun guys. And when they were here to put the carpeting in in our basement, in our family room, if you will, that's what it is. It's not a basement. The family room is in the basement. But when they came in and put the carpet in the family room a while ago, they were just hilarious. It was just a laugh a minute with these two guys. I, I kid you not, they could do a stand-up routine. So the carpet guys come next week. Sarah will be home, obviously, because it's a Saturday. And our renovations guy, John's going to be here. So it's going to be a laugh a minute. I guess we're just going to go out on a, on a high note. And... Um, It'll it'll be it'll just be a lot of fun, and hopefully by this time or a little bit you know a week from tomorrow, as of I don't know maybe sometime around lunchtime or early in the afternoon, our renovations will be complete, and we're looking forward to that. 
And then I think next year we'll actually do some painting. So that's the construction update. And I do have one more little update for you, not to get into too much inside baseball, but people have been asking us, especially those who are south of the border in the U.S., have you got your COVID shot yet? You're going to get your COVID shot. Well, we are in the queue. And what actually we have appointments. Sarah, being an educational frontline worker, I guess is how they determine it. I can't keep track of all the determinations they have, but they're into what is called phase two, I guess, whatever that means. Again, another another definition that I just don't get because they've this whole thing here, the way they've handled the, the COVID vaccine rollouts here in Canada has been just terrible, and I've minced no words on it, and I'm not going to go into it because that's not what we're here for. That's not what you and I are getting together for. But I will just tell you this. Because Sarah's in education, because of what her job is, she is getting vaccinated for her. You know, her first COVID shot is going to be actually coming up today as the recording of this podcast. She gets her vaccine, her first dose. And they just dropped the re, the edge, the age uh, limitation because they've been going by age. You start, you know, older and work your way down. Well, they got down to my age this morning. They announced it. If you're this old, you can go get your vaccine now. You're in the province of Ontario. So we hopped on the website, and the local health unit here uh, did not have the current up to date information. <clears throat> Thank you very much. That's all I'll say. But we have to be listening to the uh, to Toronto radio, and they said. You know, the, the age has dropped and like, let's get myself registered. And I was able to get registered. So next week, I'm going to go get my vaccine as well. And then we will both be vaccinated for our second dose later on. They're saying August. And you're thinking in the States, why so long? Well, because supplies are so limited. Supplies are limited, by the way. <laughs> you know, as they used to say, Supplies limited, or however, you know, whatever disclaimer it would be. Well, supplies of the vaccine are limited to begin with. So what they've decided to do, and I guess against the better judgment of the manufacturers of the vaccines that are being rolled out, uh, they've backed it up. They say, we can wait four months, and you're going to be okay. So, you know, whatever, fine. Four months is better than no months. So coming up in August, Sarah and I get our second poke about a week apart from each other, kind of like what we're doing now, and then we'll be done. And life goes on. Bob is your uncle and Fanny's your aunt, and we'll see. And now, will the border be opened by then? Your guess is as good as mine. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I would, you know, I, I, I want to say I doubt that the border is going to be open this year for, to the United States or actually to leave Canada really to go anywhere. I mean you you got to you can leave, but if you come back you got to quarantine for a period of time. You, know, you have to have you got to get a uh, a negative you know a negative test result, all that kind of stuff. It's just a mess. Like I said, it's just been a real hot mess for all this stuff. So anyway, Sarah and I are getting our vaccines here. Hers today, mine in about a week and and we'll just move on and hopefully Things will continue to move in the right direction. We'll get behind this thing and things will start to get back to normal. I probably should mention that the previous comments 
and editorial were those of myself and not of any other animal, mineral, or vegetable, either living or dead. Just just so that you, you know that. But anyway, on to the story at hand, since I have played the little sounder, which normally indicates, in case you're wondering, yes, that means Jim's story continues. Well, as we left off last time with our hero, he was trying to pull the fair maiden off the railroad track while Snidely Whiplash stood in the bushes giggling. No, okay, never mind. Well, when I left you last time, as far as where I was where I was at in my story, I had taken a new job at a new radio station. I was working at a place called, well, a radio station, a uh, adult contemporary station. At the time, it was called Soft Rock 101. Soft Rock 101 WLQR. And the station had been around forever and a, and a day, was a, had a reputation of playing soft and you know, relaxing favorites, and the one time was a beautiful music station, and all that yada yada yada. Well, it was a you know a light AC as we would call it in the industry at that time, and I was was hired. So I go to work, get hired, and working at the adult contemporary station, and going about my business, and we're just you know kind of doing our thing, and all of a sudden. We get word that the radio station is being sold. Well, actually, it was good news, really, to be honest with you. I, I, I have to tell you, because the people that owned our owned the radio stations that I worked for at that point, then WLQR, now WRVF, or as a lot of folks call it, The River, and that's what it is, 101.5 The River, uh, WSPD and WLQR at that time were owned by a company called Toledo Broadcasting, a subsidiary of Detweiler Publishing out of, I think it was Scranton, Pennsylvania or something like that. It was basically a publishing company who owned a handful of radio stations across across the United States. Well, they really weren't interested in being a radio broadcasting company anymore, so they just kind of left us you know, to our own devices, you know, made sure that obviously we had what we needed as far as, you know, a company and that sort of thing. Well, there was no secret that they were shopping us around trying to find a buyer. And at one point we even had the Dickies, Lou Dickey Jr. and his brother, John, who had not yet formed Cumulus Media. They were getting ready to, I guess, at that point. But I remember them coming through, looking at the place, literally walking through the building and looking at buying the station. Well, there was a little, little, just a quick side note here. They actually couldn't buy the station because of ownership rules in the United States because their dad already, you know, he had a couple of stations in town and buying our stations, I guess... At that point, they just weren't allowed to. They weren't allowed to buy them. They just there was some. There were, I don't remember the the particulars to it, but I guess they were looking into it, and it didn't happen. I don't know if it was a money issue or a regulatory issue, but anyway, John and Lou did not buy us, so we're just kind of hanging around. Well, all of a sudden, we get word that a guy out of and if I if I'm wrong in my facts here. For those of you who are in the know on this one, forgive me. But if I remember correctly, the, the gentleman who ended up buying the radio stations was a gentleman by the name of John Lynch. 
out of San Diego, California. He had a company called Noble Broadcasting. Well, Noble Broadcasting owned another station in Toledo, uh, 92.5 KISS FM WVKS. So he had one station in Toledo, and he obviously wanted to expand his business, so he ended up buying our two radio stations. So we go from two stations to three stations. What happened was is that they were going to move in with us. The two, or I should say the, 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 the one single radio station was going to move in with us simply because it just made more sense. We owned our building. You know, we had two stations here already. It would have cost a lot more money to move two radio stations rather than one. So they decided they're going to move in with us. You know, we'll have a new radio station in the building, new owner, new management, and new studios, which was kind of exciting. Because at that time, digital technology was just beginning to really roll out in earnest. And I remember they announced that they were going to give us these new studios. They wanted to update the equipment, give us all brand new studio, state-of-the-art equipment, and that included digital automation. I remember somebody asking me, and I think, actually, I got this asked a couple of times. Well, this was going to be my first rodeo with, with digital automation, and it was a really neat system for its time. It is uh, really the, the company that put this stuff out has since grown and done very well, and their system has improved by leaps and bounds. But when we got it, we were one of the first stations, I think, in the country to have this thing. Not the very first, but we were kind of at, at this company's infancy. You know, touchscreen system, all everything on hard drive. Somebody asked me, how are you going to like working with this stuff? And I said, well, this is going to either make me a really great announcer or a real lazy disc jockey. Don't praise the machine. Well, <laughs> that's that's kind of how it was. You know, everybody was kind of you know, a little, little leery of it because it could do so much. And none of us had ever worked with this kind of stuff before. So we were kind of a little gun shy. I was excited about it. I thought this is going to be neat because you don't have to use CDs anymore. You don't have to pull out carts anymore. You don't have to deal with tape anymore. For the most part, we had a little, I think we had a reel to reel machine. We kept in the studio for a while, but for what this thing did, and it didn't do a ton not like these systems today, but for what it did, it was pretty cool. So I'm getting getting used to using this thing. So they build us brand new studios. They changed the format of the radio station while actually I was gone. I, I probably should back up a little bit because while I was working for no or working for what was then Toledo Broadcasting, I got an offer from a friend of mine who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, DC Bash. He was a program director and the morning guy over at Yes FM, which was a Christian top 40 station. And he said, you want to come be my producer? And I thought, well, sure, because at the time I was doing the all-night show, I could go and help out with the morning show and really get my hands dirty and do some good radio. Well, for those of you who know me from a professional standpoint, you're saying, wait a minute, I don't remember seeing this, you talking about this. The gig only lasted six weeks, and it was basically because I went over there, took this job, went over, was a part of the morning show, and to make a long story very short, my buddy Dave got canned. They had a little difference of opinion, I guess. 
with him and the 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 powers that be at the radio station and he was let go and they all of a sudden decided to do a, a, things very different and I was not really too thrilled with what they decided to do and to make a long story short I left and decided to go back to where I was before I called my boss and I said Steve I'm on the I'm I've quit my job over at yes do you still need somebody? If you say no, I understand because I quit. I left on my own. And he said, honestly, no, we haven't replaced you yet. So come on back. So I came back. And it was, you know, and, and, and I, I wouldn't say with my tail between my legs, but because sometimes you have to take a chance. Sometimes you, you do have to roll the dice. And I had someone who I worked with who said, you made a big mistake by leaving you could have been doing this, but now you're only doing this. Well, you know what? Sometimes you got to take, you got to do that. You got to take a chance because how do you know if you don't try? And I've taken chances many times in my career. Sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. So I came back and the station had, had changed format. Well, I wouldn't say changed. They rebranded the station, if you will. Rather than calling it soft rock, they were calling it the river. So they gave it, basically, it was like taking a house. Rather than changing the house around, they just painted it differently. Gave it a new coat of paint, maybe put some new shutters on the windows and some awnings and that kind of thing. But just kind of spruced it up a little bit. Brought it up more to a you know, a little bit more streamlined and a little more focused and all that kind of stuff. So that's what happened. So I come back and I go to work for now the river. We're getting new studios. We're getting a new automation system and I'm learning how to run a digital automation system rather than the old, you know, tape thing that I told you about uh, last time, which they eventually had to haul out of there because it literally died on me one morning while I was on the air. It just stopped working. And I can honestly say I was the last person to run that thing because it literally just, it died. And I said to the, um, I said to the engineers, I said, I think this thing is dead. And they said, okay, we'll let you know. Well, they were in the process of getting this automation system that we were using up and running so we could do what Harry, the old automation system used to do. Well, they did. And so I think I came in the next day and then, and they were on the new system and Harry was just being taken apart and hauled off to the transmitter and buried out back behind the big towers, never to be seen again, I guess. I don't know. That's Because that's what the engineer told me. I said, so what did you do with the auto, old automation? He says, oh, we buried it out of the transmitter site, which basically means we, you know, it's scrap, it's gone. So I'm getting in, getting used to this new equipment. And while I was there, I had something very interesting happen to me and it was a it was it was kind of a I don't know I wouldn't say a bittersweet thing because the gentleman who had hired me was let go. He had been there for quite a long time and they decided they needed to make a change. And so they let him go. I walk into the station one day and they said Steve's been has been let go. And we're in the process of trying to find a new morning guy. And at that point, they made a, someone else on the staff program director, actually someone by the name of Kim Carson. And if you l listen to Toledo Radio 
or maybe if you're in Grand Rapids nowadays or Kalamazoo or even in Detroit for a long time, the name sounds familiar. Well, Kim Carson became the program director of the river and they said, Jim, we want you to do the morning show. So I ended up becoming the new morning man at the river. It was, and I, it was one, it was made clear to me that they're looking for someone, but I was welcome to apply for it. I was welcome to try out for it. And I knew deep down in my heart, I wasn't going to get it because they just, they, I knew that they wanted someone with experience, but what were they going to do? So several, well, not quite several months. I was the morning man at 101.5, the river, and it was a great experience. I loved it. It was great because. I could I could get up in the morning and you know I had to get up at stupid o'clock in the morning but by 10 o'clock I was off the air and the rest of the day was mine I don't remember if I was working if they still had me do a weekend shift or not I think I did I think I did like maybe a Saturday or a Sunday too normally if you're the morning guy you get Saturday and Sundays off but considering kind of where I was at because Leaving and coming back, I was now low man on the totem pole again. And that's just how it goes. So I'm doing mornings, doing some weekend stuff. And then they announced that they're bringing in a new morning man. Well, for those of you in Toronto, you're going to know this gentleman's name. And some of you in Toledo will know this name. And I will, I will give you his, I won't give you his real name, but I'll tell you his name. His air name was Jim Brady. Yes, the same Jim Brady who did mornings at CFTR in Toronto back in the 70s, and I think he came back again in the 80s. But I'll be honest with you, when Jim Brady walked in to do his first morning show, they they had announced, they said, okay, Jim Brady's going to do mornings, and I said, well, what happens to me? Well, we're not sure. We don't know what we're going to do with you yet. And I was a little... I was a little disappointed, to be honest with you. It's like, well, you know, I just did mornings for you for for several months and did everything you asked me to do. And they said, yeah, we're probably going to put you back on overnights. And I was really just just disheartened, to be honest with you. And they said, well, we don't know what we're going to do with you. So I was like, okay, you know what? It's a job. It's a paycheck. So I go back to the all-night show, and I remember... You know, being told, okay, Jim Brady is going to be the morning man. And Jim Brady walks in, and I'll be honest, I didn't know this guy. Because when he was getting his start in Toledo Radio, I was, you know, just a teeny little kid. I was, you know, still in diapers. So I don't remember that. And he actually went on to work at CKLW and a bunch of other big markets all across the U.S. and was a major market star, and he decided... He had enough of the radio rat race and wanted to come home because he was from Toledo. So he comes home and he's doing mornings at the river. And he and I struck up a little bit of a friendship and I ended up working with him at another station later on. You know, it was just one of those things where I was, you know, I I was disappointed that I didn't at least get something a little, little bit more substantial out of it, you know, working there as far as being the morning guy, even if it was temporary. I started looking around and, you know, kind of started, you know, putting some feelers out because I thought, well, I don't want to be the all night guy forever because I was working six, seven days a week because they needed bodies. They needed people while I was going through, actually it was, 
while I was working at the river, I almost forgot to mention this story. <laughs> I was, uh, before they actually moved me into mornings, I had taken ill. I was having some problems with my gut and terrible pain, just debilitating pain where just you couldn't sit, you couldn't stand, you couldn't do anything. Well, it turned out I was having, I had gallstones and I had to have surgery and took off a couple of days, and they were thankful enough to let me take the time off. I think I was off for about three or four days for the surgery, came back to work, and then eventually, you know, in the fall, all of a sudden, everything just kind of changed, and I'm glad that I had that done because I I felt so much better after that was all over with. So, you know, you just roll with it. You do what you do. That's what I mean. I mean, I I worked sick. They They knew I wasn't feeling well. And I came in, I did my job, and then I get mornings, and then I'm just like, you're, you're all my guy. I was just, I'll be honest, and it's nothing personal, nothing personal, but I was just like, you know what, I got to do what I got to do. I got to take care of myself. It's like anybody else. You got to take care of yourself. So I started looking around. I got a call from one of the packages I sent out. This is a classic example of things happening when you least expect them. I had sent a package to a radio station out west, and I had completely forgotten about it. And I'm sitting at home one day and I get a phone call from these guys and they say, hey, we really would like you to come and work for us. And that's where we'll pick up my story next time we get together. Well, I actually pulled this one out of the archives and it's really appropriate you considering what's going on right now. Did you hear that the Spanish king has been quarantined on his private jet? That's right. The rain in Spain will stay mainly on the plane. Now, if you have a pun you'd like to share with me, I would love to hear from you. It's the Jim Snyder Podcast at gmail.com. The Jim Snyder Podcast at gmail.com. It's all lowercase. You can send me your pun ideas, your suggestions for a guest, your comments about the podcast anything really would, would love to hear from you and of course if you know somebody that's not listening and you think they should let them know that we're out there that i'm out there you can find me on itunes google play radio.com i know they recently changed owners so they're still out there the TuneIn in app spotify iHeartMedia. there's all kinds of places and if there's a spot you're normally going for your podcast let me know and see if we can get it up there too Well, until next time, this is Jim Snyder. Just want to remind you, it's not what happens to you in life that's important. It's how you respond that really counts. The Jim Snyder.